Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That would be the Torah, the first five books of Moses. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now here were his instructions that was given to the leader of over two million Jewish people, Joshua. How busy can we claim to be compared to a man who was responsible for two million people on the move? How much can we say is on our to-do list compared to the man who had to move over two million people through hostile territories, conquering them region by region so that the people could be established, they could have their own land, they could have their own cities, and all along the way to make sure that they're cared for. That's a lot of responsibility. And to this leader, God said, I'm going to help you. you got to listen to me because I'm going to give you the way. And also, let's not forget who Joshua followed after, Moses tough act to follow. He he followed after Moses. How in the world is he going to be successful as Moses? He felt the weight on him. Am I going to fail all that my mentor Moses had done? And now he turns to me and he hands me the responsibility. Am I going to drop the ball? Is it all going to go to naught? And God says, just listen to me, Joshua, and I will help you along the way. And it's the same message that God has for us to be successful as well. And he said, first of all, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. What does that mean? That means that if you spent any time with Joshua, you would not hear him talk about his last battle. You would not hear him talk about the strategy for the next battle. You would not hear him talk about where he has decided to camp down the people and the plan for the day after day. What would he be talking about? The word of God. Joshua would sit down with you and he would talk about God. He would talk about what Moses wrote. And that would be the point where you might say, say, is he really acting responsibly, getting all absorbed in the Bible when he has so much to do? And God said to Joshua, you bet. God said to Joshua, Joshua, let this consume you. Let you be absorbed. Let you be just drawn into over your head into the word of God. Meditate on it. And he said, meditate on it day and night. Joshua, you take care of my business. I'll take care of your business. 
When did this advice come to Joshua? At the beginning of his taking over from Moses. That's why this verse is in Joshua chapter 1. And God gave this secret to Joshua on how to be successful and how to be prosperous. This was the yearning of Joshua's heart. He was just starting out. He wanted to finish well, just like us. We start off in our life with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can start off so good, but there's a worry behind in our heads, and that is, how will I finish? Will I continue to have zeal today that I had yesterday? What's going to happen? And because we know so well, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. And so Joshua says, how do I finish well? You know, that desire with the responsibility coming and you want to finish well, you want to do a good job for God. That's exactly how Solomon felt. Solomon, the son of David, when he took over from his father, King David, he wanted so much to be successful. He wanted his way to prosper. He, and God came to Solomon in a dream in 1 Kings 3. And it starts out, the chapter starts out with King David telling his son, Solomon, I'm about to die. And he goes over with him everything that he's supposed to do. In other words, David is telling to Solomon, Solomon, get your pencil out, get your paper out. He says, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, because I'm going to die. How do you follow King David? That's a tough act to follow. And in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 9, it says, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Imagine that. God said to Solomon, Solomon, tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what you really want more than anything else. And Solomon had spent this time with his father. The kingdom was being transferred to him, and he wanted to be a success. He didn't want to fail. And so Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. Imagine that. Here's the son looking at the life of his father, all the exploits that David had, all the conquest, conquering all the enemies of the Jewish people of Israel. And when his son Solomon looked at it, he looked at the life of his father and he said, that was a life of great mercy from God. Great mercy from God. And then he went on and he said, And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given a son to sit on his throne. He sees himself and he says, I'm just continuing in the mercy of God. It was a great kindness of you, God, to let me, his son, sit on the throne. And he says, as it is this day. And then he makes his request. This is interesting. He says, and now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. That's how he saw himself. Solomon saw himself as a little child. And then he said, I know not how to go out or come in. What a difference from a person who would inflate his chest and say, I'm up for it. You know, you can count on me. I can rely on myself. That wasn't him at all. Solomon says, I've been given this great responsibility and I'm just like a little child. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to go out. What am I going to do? But he is turning to God now, and he's saying in verse 8, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. 
So this is the backdrop. He sees the responsibility. He sees that it's not just only something that David has given to him as what to do. He sees this responsibility as having come from God, what God is asking Solomon to do. He sees all this responsibility. And when he looks at himself, he says, I'm just a little child. I can't do this. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to go out. And when he looks at David and his success, he said, mercy of God. That's the explanation. And so in verse 9, here's the request. He says to God, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? See, he said, oh God, give me the heart of God. Give me the understanding of God in my heart so that I can understand how I'm supposed to judge this people. I can't even figure out what's good, what's bad, but you know, God, give me that discernment so that I'll be able to judge this people. Well, that desire that Solomon had in his heart is the same desire that Joshua had as he was taking over from Moses. And just like Solomon, Joshua was thinking, this is a really hard act to follow. I'm going to fail. I'm going to drop the ball. And so God gave to Joshua the secret. What was the secret? Number one, don't stop talking about the Word of God you bring the conversation over to the Bible, over to the Word of God. The Bible, the Word of God, it's not in this compartment of your life while you have other Bible-less compartments of your life. It is all of your life. So he says, don't stop talking about it. Talking, one. Two, meditate. He says, meditate on the Word of God. Your constant thought Think about what the Bible says like a cow brings up the cud and rechews it. And that's what you should do with the Word of God is you meditate on it, chew it again, think about it again, extract some new information, some new nutrient for the soul, extract that out of the Word of God. That's the term, meditate, chew its cud. Number three, he was telling Joshua, do not be religious. Do not be professional with the Word of God. Don't treat the Word of God like it's a job from 8 to 5 during the daytime, and then the nighttime is your own time. When God says meditate therein day and night, he means day and night. Day, daytime is for your job. Nighttime is normally the time when you are off your job, when you turn your job off. He says, but with the Word of God, you don't do that. Because the word of God is for your daytime and your nighttime. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Do not treat this word professionally from which you take a break. You don't take a break from breathing. If you did, you'd die. And so in the same way, he says, do not take a break from the word of God. And then number four, he says, don't just try to learn what the Bible says, but learn it so that you can obey it. Learn it so that you can incorporate it into your life. Be ye not hearers of the word only, but be ye doers of the word. Because the Bible says, if you are only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, you deceive yourself. That whole process is the process of adopting 
the word of God, like the father who will adopt the full-grown man. And that's what the king was required to do during the copying process as he was working on it. That's why whenever you think of the name Deuteronomy, second law, I want you to think about all the depth of the meaning of writing the second law. I want you to picture that king as he wrote meticulously those Hebrew characters with his pen and ink, and as he did. And think about all the responsibility he had, but as he did, he wasn't like, okay, let me get this down. Oh, no, no, no. As he did, he was writing those characters and praying, oh, God, as I write these characters on this piece of papyrus, Please write these characters on my heart. I don't mean just to memorize it. I mean to have the meaning of it. I mean to be able to have it be my constant conversation, my constant thought, my constant occupation day and night. Help me, O God, as I write these letters here that I might adopt these to be my law, to be that process of adoption. That's what the word Deuteronomy should mean to us every time we say it. Go back to that verse. Go back to that scene. Go back to that process of the king adopting the word to be his own. That's the meaning of the book of the meaning of the name Deuteronomy from that verse. Such a blessing. Now, as we have seen, the other names, uh, Genesis, Bereshit means beginning, the name in Hebrew for the book we are studying here in Exodus is the word comes from names, shmot, from Shem, uh, meaning name, and shmot, names. Why? Because the first verse in Exodus 1 says, and these are the names, these are the shmot of the children of Israel. So that's how it got its name. Now the next book is the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is Greek. It means having to do from the priests. But in Hebrew, it's not called Leviticus. It's called Vayikra. Vayikra means called, and he called. Why is the book of Leviticus named, and he called, Vayikra? Because this is the first Hebrew word in the book of Leviticus, and the Lord called unto Moses. And so, then the book of Numbers, and of course, we understand what the word numbers mean, but in Hebrew, that book is called Bamidbar. Bamidbar means in the desert. And that again comes from the first verse of Numbers where it says, and the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness or in the desert. Now, as we look at the book of Exodus and we come to it, we want to first of all step back and look at an overview of the book. In other words, a breakdown of the book of Exodus from a bit of a distance. And we're going to see that God hears their cry. Why? Because that's who God is. God is described as a person who is in Psalm twenty-two, twenty-four. 24. He hath not despised nor poured the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face away from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. And so we're going to see in this first section how God replied to the moan of man to raise up a deliverer. That was Moses. And in that picture, we're going to see Isaiah 65, 24, and it shall come to pass, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, not calling upon God, it says Christ died for us. So the first six chapters, we're going to see Israel in Egypt and God showing Israel that they needed to be redeemed. Second part, chapter 7 through 11, is going to be the power of, of the Redeemer. There's going to be 10 plagues. Hebrews 1 3, who being, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. 
when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's section 2, chapters 7 through 11. Section 3, chapters 12 through 18. Saved by blood. Saved by blood. The redemption, the payment was blood. That's what we're going to see in that part. 1 Peter 1, 19. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hebrews 9.12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We're going to see in those chapters sanctification by blood. Hebrews 13.12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. We're going to see in those marvelous chapters an umbrella, like a protection, an umbrella of blood over the people. Hebrews 11.28, Through faith he kept the Passover, that the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. We're going to see in those chapters a reconciliation by blood. Isaiah 59, 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Leviticus 17, 11, The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Conscious, purged by blood, Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then we're going to see entrance to God by blood. Hebrews 10.19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus We're going to see in those chapters in Exodus an empowerment, empowered by blood. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their own lives unto the death. We're going to see in those chapters cleansing by the blood. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We're going to see in those chapters a righteousness that is made by blood. Revelation 7.14, and I say unto them, Sir, thou knowest, and he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Isaiah 1.19, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We're going to see in those chapters peace with God by the blood. Colossians 1.20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Forgiveness by the blood we'll see. Colossians 1.14, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to to the riches of his grace. We're going to see in those chapters how the people of God are going to be brought near by blood. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And we're going to see that God is going to make a contract with them by blood. 1 Corinthians 11.25, After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament the new covenant, the new contract in my blood. This do ye as oft you drink it in remembrance of me. And we'll see how a people who were sinful became justified by blood in those chapters. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We're going to see in section 3, Israel leaving Egypt to come to God. Exodus 7, 16 says, And thou shalt say unto them, to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness, and behold, hitherto thou wouldst not hear. And this is going to illustrate for us our leaving the world to come to God. First Thessalonians 1, 9, For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Then we'll come to section 4, which is chapters 9 through 24, which is where we learn, what is this new life? It's a life of holiness. It's a life where the law of God describes to us the one we love the most. It's a life of a new life from the Spirit of God. It's a life where we are a testimony to those around us, a testimony to the nations. As he said in Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8, keep therefore and do them. This is your wisdom. This is your understanding in the sight of of the nations, which shall hear of these statutes and shall say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is so great that hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and righteous and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? And then we'll come to section five, which is going to be, how do you live this new life And that's the tabernacle. That's the abiding life. And there we're going to see wonderful verses such as Exodus 25, 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Zechariah 8, 8, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people. I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. And as we said already, 2 Corinthians 6, 16, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is going to be a great study as we embark and take our journey through God's book of Exodus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for such a great book as you have entrusted to our hands. Help us, Lord, to faithfully 
Lord, study it. Faithfully seek you for the meaning of it. Faithfully incorporate it so that it changes our lives. Thank you for hearing us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 